Welcome to the Only Child Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Wallace. Have you ever felt like you didn't receive the how-to brochure on life? That you didn't get enough guidance about major life issues? So did I. You don't have to be an only child to feel this way. In my podcast, we'll explore some of the best ways to better navigate adulting while doing so with humor and light. Welcome, everyone, to the Only Child Diaries podcast. The new year is traditionally a time of renewal, a time for new beginnings, but it also seems like a time for loss, a time of transitions. This past year, in December alone, we lost Kirsty Alley, Twitch, Pele, Pope Benedict, and Barbara Walters, just to name a few. I mean, talk about a well-rounded group. Imagine them all showing up for the orientation in heaven. <laughs> Last year, we lost Betty White on December 31st. I still remember everyone being upset about that one on social media. Certainly, the holidays are not exempt from bad things happening. Ten years ago, there was the Sandy Hook tragedy. I remember my husband and I were in Las Vegas right after that happened to celebrate our wedding anniversary, and we kept seeing the photos of the little kids' faces on TV, hearing stories from their parents, and they're crying, the parents crying the people in their town crying, the reporters crying, the newscasters crying. We were crying. The new year is a time of renewal. So is that why it always seems like so many people are leaving us at the end of the year? That's a rhetorical question. I know people have their theories about that, though. My own grandfather passed away on New Year's Eve when I was 15. Another grandmother passed away January 4th, and my mom passed away on January 7th. Last week, we watched as Damar Hamlin fell to the ground after what appeared to be a normal tackle during the Buffalo Bills game. We watched as he was worked on on the field while his teammates and the Cincinnati Bengal team members were watching, hoping, crying, praying, and standing vigil on the field. Then, as the ambulance pulled off the field, in and of itself a very rare occurrence, we watched as many of the players were crying, hugging. They gathered in a tight circle with many of them dropped to their knees and praying. It was hard for anyone with a shred of feeling to not be touched by this incredible event. A man, seemingly healthy, 24 years of age, losing his heartbeat not just once on the field, but again on the way to the hospital. Amazingly, he's doing much better. Subsequently, social media blew up with posts of well wishes and prayers for his recovery. 
This one turned out with a good ending. But sudden, unexpected, catastrophic events like Damar Hamlin and losses, whether or not they are close to us or people that we simply watch from afar, affect us. Today, I'm going to talk about how I process these kinds of events, how I process losses and tragedies, whether they are personal or more of a societal loss. This is different from grief, mostly. As an only child, a lot of the time I had to teach myself certain skills, or I just didn't learn them at all until I was an adult. This is an example of one of those skills. But perhaps this is something that most people have to figure out for themselves. And so I thought you might find this subject helpful. When I started doing stand-up comedy, and I, I still haven't explored this journey with you, but I will in a future episode, I was taking a series of classes, and we really had to dig deep to understand our beginnings, how we were raised, how our personality was formed, and explore our personality type. This was then the basis of our comedy persona. I learned through this process that I was an empath. I really didn't know what an empath was at that point. Sure, I had heard the term, but didn't think much of it. So, what is an empath? Now, I know what it is in my heart, but I looked up some articles describing what an empath is to help me put it into words for those of you who might not be familiar with the concept. Here's one definition I found. An empath is an individual who feels more empathy than an average human. Empaths are exceptionally sensitive to the emotions and frame of mind of nearby individuals. Empaths are individuals who are extremely perceptive of the feelings and emotions of people around them, which typically comes through some intuitive abilities. Empathy is a natural state that enables a person to build an emotional connection through cognition with other individuals. But the instinctive ability to understand other people's moods goes beyond being empathetic. The typical empath personality allows an individual to accurately discern people's emotional states just by looking at them and take appropriate action. So that's kind of a lot of jargon, right? Basically, it's saying that an empath feels more empathy towards other people and is highly sensitive to their emotions and state of mind. Empaths are intuitive and can usually judge a person's emotional state by just observing them. Then they will be able to take the appropriate action to assist them. Now, I found another article that discussed the common traits of empaths. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised 
these traits describe me pretty well. First, it explains that empaths make excellent and amazing storytellers, partly driven by our boundless imagination. I think the imagination part is underscored for me because as an only child, I was often left to entertain myself and I came up with activities that I could do solo. Next, an established trait of empaths is that we're great listeners. I think in general, I give people the benefit of the doubt that they will have something of value to say that won't come out immediately. And I often allow people to ramble on for a while, whereas most people might cut them off. Of course, like all things empath, I do get to a point where I need to protect myself and my energy. And so sometimes I have to cut myself off from listening at all costs. Some people could ramble on for days, right? Third, empaths apparently have a deep curiosity about everything around them, including people and places. We're likely to start a conversation with complete strangers sitting next to them on a journey. I wasn't always like this because I was very shy when I was young. A guy at one of my high school reunions told me they were worried about me, although I'm not exactly sure who they were, (laughs) because I used to hide behind trees. Maybe I just like trees? To be clear, he was referring back to when we were in grade school. And frankly, I didn't quite remember what he was talking about, but I found that starting conversations with strangers often leads to very interesting interactions. I really enjoy getting to know people and hearing their story too. And I retain an ongoing thirst for knowledge and and love new information about almost everything. On the list, it says that Empaths are very astute. Empaths know things before being told about them. Sometimes they can't explain it with words. It can be like intuition or a gut feeling. This happens to me more than I can tell you. People will start to tell me something about themselves, and I really already know it. I've always just figured it was because I was observant. The fifth thing is that empaths root for the underdog. (laughs) This one makes me laugh. My mother used to always tell me, and anyone who would listen, that I always rooted for the underdog. She always said it like it was a bad thing. Apparently, whether it's human beings or animals, empaths take care of the purported weak in our society. Number six, we need constant stimulation. Empaths lose interest quickly when they don't find an activity stimulating enough, whether at school, work, or home. When this happens, it's easy for me to mentally switch off and daydream. I just don't like to be bored, but then who does? And finally, the seventh, 
and last trait being truthful. Truthfulness is something empaths aspire to for themselves and seek to uphold for everyone. Empaths can't digest untruth. I love that word, untruth. Why not just say lies? <laughs> okay. And anything achieved untruthfully feels wrong to them. This is a very strong characteristic for me, but one that I felt was strong because my dad instilled it in me. But look at that. It's a strong characteristic of being an empath. I had never thought about whether or not either of my parents were empaths themselves. I'll, I'm going to have to give that some thought. You know how when you read a description of something and you feel like, wow, that is totally me. That's how I felt about this list. I hope now you have a better sense of being an empath if you didn't before. Now, let's get back to the subject at hand, dealing with painful events. In terms of a death, I think I understand a lot more about loss now that I'm older. I've certainly experienced more of it. There's the specific parts of the loss of a person, the whole that the person leaves behind. I remember after my now husband Bill and I had been together for, oh gosh, it had probably been at least 10 or maybe 15 years or so. We had a few years there where we lost several close friends at the barn where our horse is housed. These were people who we were close to, and in some instances, they departed this earth suddenly. I remember Bill getting up to speak about the deceased at one of the services and saying that his loss left behind a big hole in our lives. It was simple and to the point. And it made me wonder why I had never thought of it that way before. The losses we felt did leave big holes. And certainly subsequent losses like his mother, my father, and my friend Gina, to name a few, certainly left holes in our lives. Who has left a hole in your life? That time at the barn, though, when we first lost a friend, then the next year another, and the third year one more, it got to the point where I started to look around and wonder who was next. I started to think about appreciating the people who were around me more, you know, just in case. When I was growing up, when I was a kid, death and loss seemed a little bit of a mystery to me. Sure, I understood that when people died, they were gone, and sometimes that made me sad, depending on how well I knew them or liked them. But as I got older, I started to understand more of what it really meant. I guess because I started to have more loss close to me. And then, once I experienced being with a person when they passed away, I understood the enormity of the situation. Sure, there's peace with death, hopefully, but there's the details and the activities related to dealing with death. As I came to understand that more with every loss, 
I could visualize people I didn't know that well passing away and what their family would need to go through afterwards. Not just the emotional loss or the whole, but also the arrangements and the decisions. Things made so difficult by the circumstances, and I started to feel a real empathy, yes, for all those involved. I wondered one day, how did the people who work at cemeteries do it? Talking about death and loss all day? Watching freshly grieving people try to carry on with the business of living? Well, I would hope that they go home at the end of the day and don't think about their jobs. But how many people do you know who can really do that? Bill and I had gone to see his podiatrist one day. This was several years ago. Being a diabetic, this is something that has filled up a good amount of our time over the years we've been together. Anyway, this one day, I don't remember the particulars, but we had gone into the office. Well, they they called it a clinic where the doctor was. And he must have been concerned about something and wanted to admit Bill for further tests. At the same hospital where the clinic was attached, they had to admit you through the emergency room. So we went over there. Now, we had seen several patients over at the clinic also waiting to be seen by the doctor. Bill was in the ER laying on a bed waiting to be processed, and I was sitting next to him in a small area enclosed by the hanging sheets. All of a sudden, there was a flurry of activity, and a gurney came quickly around the corner, headed for the empty space next to us, with one of the nurses we had just seen in the clinic straddling a patient on top of the moving gurney, performing CPR. Our podiatrist was running alongside of the gurney. He looked somewhat shell-shocked. Then there were several people descending on this small enclosure next to us, literally a few feet away from where we were. We could obviously hear everything. We listened as the staff continued to perform CPR on the man, calling out for different medicines or equipment as they attempted to save his life. And then we listened as their efforts slowed and finally stopped. He didn't make it. He left the house that day to go to his usual podiatrist appointment and would never come home. We had literally seen this man come into the clinic probably an hour before. I thought most about his family. I thought about them getting the call or a police officer going to their house. I could imagine how they felt knowing he was alone when he died. All these events, how do you deal with them? How do I deal with them? First, I try to feel what is happening. There's a certain degree of grief, of sadness, of pain. I try not to block that. I try to feel as much of it as I can. I don't want to block it or push it away. I want to work through it. I want to come to a place of peace with it. If it's something that comes across the news, I listen and I take it in and I'm respectful of the event. Certainly with any true loss, it's better to work through it than to push it away. 
it will only come back in the most inappropriate way down the road. And something like Damar Hamlin, we wait, we hope, we wish for the best. Through it all, I recognize that every day is absolutely a gift, unequivocally a gift. That alone gives me hope, and somehow it gives me something to hold on to. Now, sometimes empaths face challenges with setting boundaries between themselves and others, between themselves and the events that occur. Just because I feel things deeply doesn't mean that I'm always overwrought with emotion over difficult events. I've come to realize that I need to balance how far I let myself go, how deep I let myself feel. Of course, there are so many tragedies and deaths and scary bad events almost every day that I could get really bogged down in grief and sadness. But that wouldn't do me any good. I've gotten to a point where I realize I have to limit my involvement in how much I feel. It's a delicate balance sometimes. The war in Ukraine is a perfect example. It's hard to watch or hear stories around any of what is going on there. Of course, I'm sad for the animals, and since I'm hooked up with a lot of animal charities, I see those messages, but I also think it's about the human cost, of course, the loss, the deaths, the children who are suffering and are in the middle of this. It literally breaks my heart. But there's not much I can do besides send money to provide assistance. I have to be the best that I can be so that I can help others. I would also suggest that these kind of events do function to bring us together. What happens when a family member passes away? Family, both near and far, as well as close friends and acquaintances, rally around and provide support. And yes, love to those closest to the person who passed away. I can't speak to any positive outcomes of mass shootings. I won't even try. But DeMar Hamlin's name alone raised millions of dollars now for his foundation to help provide toys to underprivileged kids. After he was taken to the hospital, people really stepped up and showed their concern and love for him by donating to a GoFundMe he had started that had modestly performed before his accident. For a short time, football fans were brought together, regardless of their favorite team, to show support, and that's a wonderful thing. Bad things will always happen. How we react, the compassion and the care we show others, and the way we process and show our appreciation for the life we lead will end up setting us apart from the sadness and the pain. And there's always focusing on the good things that happen as a way to counteract the bad stuff. Phew, that ended up to be a lot heavier than I expected, but still an important message. Now, go and watch a funny movie, will you? Next week, I'll try to be a little lighter. <laughs> oh, I hope you'll join me. If you like this episode, please follow the Only Child Diaries podcast on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you might listen on. 
and consider rating Only Child Diaries and writing a review. It helps others to find us. Please share it with a friend you think might like it as well. Visit my Instagram page, Only Child Diaries, or Facebook, Only Child Diaries Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Tracy Wallace, and these are the Only Child Diaries. Diaries.